Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find, find it at Romance in the Podcast. Ooh, ooh, baby, had me a hello. Ooh, I love you. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And joining us today, we have Winter, Winter Spears. Spears. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you both. Nice to see you, Paige. Nice to meet you, Todd. Same. Yes. It's nice to meet you <laughs> as well. So let's ask, because I know the listener is wondering, Paige, how do you know Winter? Winter and I have done stand-up together for a shockingly long amount of time. And I realized recently that the last time, because of pandemic, that we saw each other in person was a party at Crystal Adams' house, <laughs> fan favorite, who was just on the last episode. Yeah, she literally was on the last episode, yeah. What, she really? Yeah, Crystal, I heard you stole my movie. I was going to do something new. <laughs> yes. Well, the last one she made us watch was Why Did I Get Married? And that oh, wild. was wild. <laughs> it was great. But we, Winter, let you pick this movie, and you chose Rye, Rye Lane. Lane. Yeah, so why did you pick this movie? So... Initially, when Paige asked me and I said something new and Crystal stole it, uh, <laughs> I, um, I was like, what is the next romantic comedy? And I'm going through it. And I was like, too popular, too popular, too popular. They've already done it. I'm sure they've already done it. And I went, oh, what was that Hulu movie I saw a few months ago? It was so good. And then I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the name. And then I was like, oh, Riley, we can do that. And then once I said that to her, I had a moment of, Oh my gosh, what if this movie is not as good as I remember it being? Oh, it I have that panic all the time when I pick movies. Winter, I feel so seen by you right now. But yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. I think, I mean, Paige, you just said you liked it. And I loved it. I loved this movie. It was great. I thought it was great. This scratched an itch for me that like, one of the first rom-coms I remember like watching, and it, it, that's actually probably more just a romantic movie, that I remember watching and like really liking in high school was Before Sunrise. And we revisited Before Sunrise, and I did not like it near as much as I did in high school. And I feel like this movie has similar vibes because it takes place over the course of, like, a day with these two people we meet. But it fixes a lot of the problems because, like— It does. In Before Sunrise, it's a lot of, like— listen to us talk about literature and politics and shit. And I'm like, I'd rather learn about who these characters are. And that's exactly what this movie is. Even though we find out maybe one of them isn't the best mo or most reliable narrator halfway through, I still loved, yes. Like, I, I think they're both so much fun. And like, just, it was fun to hang out with them all day. 
I don't know. A lot of rom-coms have like unrealistic ways of like breaking people up towards the end. And I don't feel like this one did. I liked it. Yeah. And I love things that take place over the course of a set period of time. Same. That makes it feel, to me, it feels very real. Yes. It feel it felt very natural to me that they would randomly run into each other. And also like fleeting in a romantic way. Like this is a moment we're sharing right now and it'll never happen again. And like I've had those moments in my life. It's also why I like Before Sunrise still a little bit because like I've had those moments in my life where it's like, oh shit, like this is an amazing person and I'm like sort of falling in love with this person right now and it's very quick and so crazy. So like, that's so fun to see on the screen because they are clearly falling in love all day. And it felt very organic. It, it did. The whole thing felt so in a way that so because, you know, sometimes there's so much controversy. Like there's so not about is that a word? Who knows? I, <laughs> I understood what you meant. So we'll take it. <laughs> but there's a lot of contrived moments in rom-coms and it, this rom-com didn't feel that way to me at all. Yeah, I think all of it's realistic. Like, they are both fresh out of breakups. Yep. You know, they're like both around three months, I think. And they're both, I think, when we meet them and spend the majority of our time with them on that one day, they're both really not ready for anything serious yet. But, like, I think in meeting and experiencing somebody new, they realize that they want that in their life. So they then come apart at the end of the day. And do the work before coming back together. And, and do, do the, the work. work. It exactly. fixes every rom-com's problem. Exactly. That's what I loved about yes. it. They did the work. Yes. Because that's, like, my biggest beef with one-day rom-coms. Like, if we want to think about them that way. That's a good way to put them. Yeah, is that it's usually people who are at a time of emotional vulnerability yeah. who meet someone and I would say put more stock in that relationship in that meeting because they're emotionally vulnerable and most of those movies a have pacing problems this one doesn't this movie does a great job of moving them through giving them things to do having causality to those things yeah. where it's like I chose to do this that has led us to the next place which led us to the next place as opposed to just creating individual problems that get resolved it actually takes them through some of the things they personally need to do that day to work on themselves emotionally, but in a very fun way. Yeah. But then at the end of it, they've had this like amazing day. They have so much chemistry. We've learned a ton about them as people yeah. because this movie has not made any of the one day rom-com mistakes magical. And exactly at the end of the second act mark, the reason they break up is because he learns that she lied. Yeah. And almost right. everything they've learned about each other that day, and, and probably not, but like it's been colored by this lie. It calls into question everything she's told him. I don't right. think she's yeah. lied to him all day. I think she lied to him about that one thing, but like, right. what does he know? You know? Exactly. But I also think that even though I think that there's a level of us knowing that yes. this breakup could not have gone as well as she says it did. Oh, yeah. But I think because we like her so much yep. and we like them together so much, we are willing to go on the ride. We're like, okay, we all know, because we all know we are all re re rewriting our own histories, right? Oh, yeah. Those moments that, yes. that we could have, that thing we remembered after they walked out of the room, yes. that thing that we could have done or should have done and didn't do. And then when she rewrites it, I think everybody's like, yeah, I would also like to rewrite some history. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Well, and they do it in such a fun, stylized way of, I mean, A, the cinematography for this movie the whole entire time and the editing is phenomenal. But B, 
anytime we see a flashback or see something from their point of view, it's done in such a stylized way that lets us know that we are seeing one person's version of events. And then we start to see, see the real version. Now, yeah. this movie does it usually in dialogue after the fact, as opposed to us seeing it. But I love a movie that does that, that basically is like, here's what this character has said, but here's what really happened. But then at the end of the day, so she has has lied. And it's almost like for a moment, they both are like, we have had a day. We were both emotionally vulnerable. That probably colored our perception of the day. I have shit I need to work on. They go their separate ways and then they work on their own shit and then they meet back up and are like, let's try this again yeah. because I did have fun with you that day. I did find a connection with you and we're ending at what I suspect is basically the start of like their first actual date. Yeah. And I love that. I was like, chef's kiss. Right. This movie fixed all of my one day rom-com I problems. I loved it. Right. Right. And it moves too. It's like 80 minutes. Like it's a really 82 quick minutes. watch. Yeah. And I love that it's so quick. I was like, I wish I could get that much done in the Saturday. You know what I mean? Like right. they got so <laughs> much done. They do a lot. So much done. They went to an art opening. They uh, went and met with his ex and, her, and his friend. Love they it. went to... Uh, heard the aunties have like so the like so many things. They went to a cookout. They went to a Which, cookout. Like, they went to a cookout right. in the middle of this movie. Yeah, they stole a record. They got lots of things done. Lots of stuff done. I wish I could get that much done on a Saturday. Yeah, and I do also love that like in their own ways they do help each other with their respective breakups, but they still have work to do on their own. Where it's like. I we have band-aided this, but you have to go then move on with what you're going to move on with. And I do think it's really funny that he stays friends with Eric, even at the end of the movie. It is. It's funny. <laughs> Eric's the one helping him move. Yeah. But Eric is so good. And I question that. But then I, when you see Eric and you see how he is, you're like, Eric is not, you know, He's not the brightest bulb in the basket. He's not. He is a golden retriever at best, and I love him for it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's exactly that. Yeah. I think that his friend recognizes he has no concept of how painful this was for me, yep. how much this hurt me, how devastated I was by this. And that's not his fault because he doesn't have the capacity. Yeah. He does. Right. <laughs> he, just, he does. But I mean, Eric helped him move. Like he does show up as a friend for him, I guess. There you go. Eric, yes. has, they've known each other since primary school. They will know each other until they're going to be friends till they die. Yeah. Gia is just a footnote of a story that <laughs> is going to be a, a thing they laugh about 15 years from now. Yes. Oh, and I love, I love how much they telegraph Gia's jealousy without ever having to come out and say it yeah. openly right? but you just right. know and it's a combination of her performance but also it's good writing too but she does a great <laughs> job performing the, the role you're right yeah a lot of times in one day movies a lot of the conversations are manufactured yeah. in a way where it's like we have to find something to talk about and in this movie they did something very smart where every time they're talking every time they're having conversations it is about them yeah. and yes. things that they like or do and what has happened in the breakup or what we just saw and how they feel about it. And it works so well. Which is exactly what would happen under those circumstances. If you yes. met someone at a gallery opening that you both sort of had like a mutual friend and that's how you both ended up at this weird mouth arch gallery opening and then where you were like, 
bullied into buying some of the mouth art. Right. And then whatever, like you would be talking about yourselves. You know, you'd be trying to get to know each other. You wouldn't be talking about how there's some playhouse in Venice that's doing a cow play that like we're never going to get to see, which is my biggest note. <laughs> in that movie <laughs> I'm so in, mad that we never got before that from Before sunrise. sunrise We never see the cow play And that is the one that I wanted to see I was but, like yeah. yeah But what what I also thought was great Was when they started Now when they started at the very beginning The music led me to believe That they were in a club Yes Because you see all these different things happening You see things you would see happening in a club right Such a great opening Yeah But then there randomly Then there's randomly a baby And I was like Is there a baby in the club? Remember, because somebody's changing a baby at one point. Yeah, at like, the very beginning. Yeah. And then when you see, then when they come out and you're like, oh, we're we're not, because the music, and yeah. the, the person who did the music, I think his name is Quez, his, her, or their name. It's K-W-E-S. They did an amazing job on the music. Yes. Yeah. All the original music in the movie, I felt like it was so apropos. It was perfect. So that moment in the beginning, I love that it was kind of a misdirect, that you're like, are we in a club? And then you find out, oh, we're not in a club. We're at an art opening. And then the way that they meet is also very cool. It's very, you see women crying a thousand times in a thousand places around comms. You rarely see a man doing that. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was crying in the bathroom and it was so loud that she felt obligated <laughs> to say something about it. And that's a taboo thing. Nobody's trying to talk to strangers in the bathroom when they're peeing. That is like the ultimate taboo. I still have flashbacks of a time of a woman I didn't know who was talking to me in a bathroom full of people. I'm like, ma'am, we don't know each other. Why are you talking to me? And I'm just <laughs> trying to relax and let my body do what it does naturally, ma'am. Why are we I understand we were chit-chatting while we're standing in line, but once I go in to do my business, the conversation is over, right? I agree. Right. Yes. Decorum, please. I was traumatized, traumatized. But the <laughs> fact that they started the movie with a taboo moment like that, I loved everything about it. Well, and it's also weird to see a man crying who is the romantic lead in a rom-com. Like, the movie kicks off with your romantic male lead crying at a bathroom stall with pink sneakers on. And I was like, right. I feel so seen right now. <laughs> and, and watching video of his ex-girlfriend and his best friend painting yes. on like a boomerang. They yes. <laughs> it's brutal. I'm like, dude, stop that. Stop it. I love when she was like, are you all right? And he's like, I'm trying to have a private moment in here. <laughs> She's like, it's not very private. It's just so, it's so what funny. Yeah. Public <laughs> oh man it, it is a, it's a great movie people need to watch it i i think people need to watch it yes it's free on hulu i mean if you have hulu it's free i, yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. I mean right. if you don't have hulu i guess you'd have to pay for hulu but you know hulu guys it's six bucks six bucks a month pay it one time to watch this movie yeah it's so good yes yeah worth it but do you want to maybe go through this movie scene by scene page oh wait should we talk about why Mikey isn't here first? Oh, yeah. Mikey's not here because he caught COVID. <laughs> Literally got COVID the day we recorded. Actually, Super Bowl Sunday. We recorded that morning. And then he messaged us that night. And he was like, I feel like trash. I have COVID. And so he's still down for the count. Not even that night. We finished the recording and Mikey was like, guys, I don't feel so good. And we're like, oh, that's a bummer. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And by that night, he was COVID positive and he's been in bed ever since. Yeah. Mikey, I'm sorry I didn't get to meet you. You will at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> feel better. We'll have you back. <laughs> he had a hard out that day on the recording. And we talked about it on the episode because he had to go to that Super Bowl party and he never went. The he was he, just like, he never got I, to go. I felt so bad. I just sick. never went. I like, after we recorded, I laid down. <laughs> 
Anyway, that's why Mikey isn't here. Sorry, guys. Mikey is going through it right now. Yeah. So, uh, uh, oh my goodness. Poor guy. Go out soon, Mikey. But let's uh, let's jump into it, Paige. Let's do it. Okay, this movie opens with an R rating. I don't know why it's rated R, but I love seeing R-rated rom-coms. More of that, please. I don't know what would give this an R rating. It's only because of that scene where she did the scene. I don't know if I should say this now, but you can. You know the scene where she simulates. Uh, a sex act. Oh, oh, yes. okay. That's why Boo. I feel like they. If there's a, if I, that has to be the reason because there was nothing else that I saw. Here, let me get on my the MPAA is bullshit soapbox for a second. <laughs> there are a million films <laughs> with simulated sex acts more graphic than that that have squeaked by with a PG thirteen, and the reason that this movie has an R is because the MPAA is both racist and prejudiced against independent films. And you heard it here. I will stand by it. This movie looks better than things for four times its budget. It didn't deserve the R, but I'm still here for R-rated things because, you know, your girl will watch some simulated sex acts. What's up? I didn't even know that there was an R rating until you said it. I was like, it's rated R? Yeah. For what? It came up in the very beginning and I was like, ooh, all right. I saw it too, Paige. I thought we were going to get a lot more like foul language and stuff like that out of it, which... Listen, I would have been here for, but like, it's not that. It's actually, I mean, aside from like maybe adult themes, it's actually like super wholesome. It's super, I, it felt very wholesome to me. Yes. Think about even a movie that like we love that I would still say is relatively in the wholesome range. Easy A has a PG-13 and that has more overt things in it than this movie does. Yes. Way more. Yeah. So, you know, just... Watch uh, watch the documentary. This film is not rated if you get a chance uh, to learn why the MPA is bullshit. <laughs> anyway, we open on what initially looks like a club bathroom and it's an overhead shot over the stall. And this is a really cool montage that they do of like different stalls, different places, different people in different situations until we end on a single stall with a man watching a video of his ex painting their former apartment crying to himself in the bathroom like sobbing to himself like it's real like shoulder shaking kind of a cry oh brutal which like what's okay just truthful moment what's the worst thing you've seen an ex do on social media that just unraveled you something like this or maybe not maybe all of us have had exes in the distant past and haven't had to go through this horror. Shortly after I had moved from San Diego to Nashville, Paige, you know, I had one chambered. Um, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> the, the ex who I had just moved across the country back home to get away from had just posted a photo of her and the guy she cheated on me with, with the caption of this is Manny. You'll probably see a lot more of him in the future. And then they broke up like three days later. Hilarious. Chef's kiss. Literally, someone came back. I I actually, because, you know, I was at the stalkery point of that breakup, saw about three months later, one of her friends, who I know too, went to that photo and commented, and then we never saw him again. Oh my God. And I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that so much. Amazing. I love the commitment with which they posted that picture. Like, 
You'll be seeing a lot more of him, and then three days later, they break up. That is amazing. That <laughs> yeah, is, I awesome. mean, a nothing better, really. I was like, is there's nothing more you can want from a, an acrimonious breakup? I think. Oh, and Winter, my life has gotten so much better since moving <laughs> away from that person. And see, there was a time that you thought that your life was over, and now we've all moved on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we have all moved on from me getting <laughs> cheated on. on. You're right, Winter, and I'm so glad you're handling it so well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always funny to be in that place and think to yourself, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then you're like, you're going to move on. Oh, yeah. You're going to yeah. move on and life is going to go on. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, I was in Joanne's yesterday and heard the song King of Wishful Thinking, and I forgot how hard that song slaps, and I've been listening to it nonstop ever since. So yes, that that's the vibe that we're coming into. Mine, I had one happen recently where... Before I met my husband. Congratulations, by the way. I think the last oh, time you. I talked to you, you were single, I think. Uh, we had just started dating. <laughs> I think the last time I saw you in person. Congratulations. You're a married lady now. That's how long I it's know. been. <laughs> That's talk. how long oh, pandemic was. We got there married go. right before the pandemic. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was wild. And if you made it through, that means you're good. Because most people who got married at the beginning or in the pandemic not married anymore that's real that's real but crystal and i both like i got married right before the pandemic crystal got married during the pandemic at the courthouse and you know what we spent part of christmas together this year at the house we bought it was great uh but pre my husband there was a dude that i met that like he was kind of cocky he tried to nag me and i'm not the one uh and there was definitely a night where it was like because we had been friends for a long time but then it was like, hey, maybe something's going to happen. Like, oh, maybe. And then a dude cock blocked us. Just like wouldn't leave. Like he was like, we're all hanging out. And we were like, no. what? Well. And it didn't happen. And it was one of those things that like I ended up not seeing that person as often again. And it's always one of those like what ifs of like what would have happened if that would have happened that day. Right. Well. Spoiler flashback six months ago. That dude gets married to a girl who what? Looks exactly like me. <laughs> wow. I, I sent it to a friend that like knew us back in the day. I was like, bruh, did you see who this friend? And they were like, that's blonde you. And I was like, I know oh, wow. what is happening. He married Whoa. Wage Presley. He married Wade Presley. But he's got a type. He got a, got a type and at the time was acting like that was not his type. Uh, he was one of those like probably dated fat girls and didn't tell people about it. Uh, but apparently, apparently it was. Right. That was my Instagram moment. But it, instead of crying, I was just cackling to myself in my own bathroom. You were laughing so hard you were crying. Exactly. A hundred percent. Different vibes than mine. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, you got your revenge with the like, guess not. Oh, I didn't get revenge. <laughs> Revenge. I just got a better life. But yeah, I mean. But that is the best revenge. To get a better yes. life is the ultimate revenge. Well, I mean, sure, but I don't give a shit what she does. Yeah. Success is the best revenge. A yeah. hundred. There you go. Living well. Yeah. Living well. Living well. That's revenge. Anyway, in the bathroom, our main character, Yaz, uh, we haven't met her yet. We're about to. She's like fixing her hair in the mirror. She hears the crying. And goes into the stall next to him, still hears it and is like, hello, are you okay? And as she's like peeing, he tries to cry during the pee sound so she can't so hear it. Funny. It's so <laughs> that funny. That's still too loud. Hilarious. Still too loud. And the, the peeing could not cover the sobbing. No. Oh, so good. 
but he's like you know this is the men's bathroom she's like actually it's not it's the unisex bathroom and this is not really that private of a place yeah for you to have a mental breakdown also <laughs> sir public bathroom maybe 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 not stop crying in the public bathroom <laughs> right if you're stop crying maybe you're not ready to be out yet fair i think that's what we're learning about him yeah <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> but she finishes up she leaves. Uh, he comes out of the bathroom. They end up in the art gallery, which is all close-up photos of people's mouths. And it's actually really interesting. It I is. love art exhibitions like this. The mouth is a stonehenge of the face. <laughs> the mouth is a stonehenge of the face is one of the funniest the things I've ever heard. Stonehenge of the face. That, so and funny. we know less about Jupiter than we know about our own mouths. And then later when it's the butt one, he's like, we know less about <laughs> Neptune than we do about our own anus. And I was like... This guy's my favorite. Right? I was like, right. I was like, he's your pretentious friend. So good. He's like every artist person I've ever gone to a gallery opening for. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fair. But yeah, I love yeah. gallery openings. This is one Me of my too. favorite bougie LA things to do. Right. Right. I just got a dress from a company in the UK based on an art exhibition that's just all black and white photos of tits. And I'm like so excited to wear it out. But I'm just going to tell people that we know less about Saturn than we do about the women's about women's breasts. True. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Just be like, we don't even know. We have no idea. Well, and let me take, can I talk about the shoes for a minute? Go for it. So when she's in the bathroom, she, before she leaves, she looks down and she sees that he's wearing pink Converse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's wearing what? Lavender, I think, sneakers. She's wearing lavender sneakers with beads on them. I love right. them. Okay. Shout out to the costume designer, Cynthia Lawrence John because I thought the costumes in this movie were amazing. Me too. I thought yes. the colors were so bright. They were so beautiful. I thought it spoke very specifically to not just their characters, but where their characters were in their lives because when you yes. see them later in the movie, you're like, oh, clearly they're doing better. Not to say that their outfits weren't great at the beginning because they were, but I felt like the level of mismatching that was happening was indicative of the fact that they were a mess. <laughs> At that point. That's fair. Yeah, they look more put together in the last scene. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, and this is one of the things I love. I love playing with color in film. It's one of my favorite things that people can do that is inexpensive, but will make your movie look awesome. Right. I loved that even though we have such a, a bright color palette and we have such a like a lush visual, they don't look out of place. They still look like regular people. Like th that's right. a person you would see on the street and you wouldn't think, Oh, that person is wildly colorful. Right. But they are within this right. world. And it kind of makes them seem exciting. If you notice anyone else around them, even though their outfits are messy, a lot of the other people around them are in neutrals and blacks. Right. Exactly. So it does set them apart. Right. So that they are the like even just the visual focal point of what we're looking at on the screen. And also, I think that um, in in my favorite rom-coms, I feel like when, when you make a place seem so cool because of the movie, you makes people want to go there. I didn't want to. Yes. I'd never. It had never occurred to me to go to Singapore until I saw Crazy Rich Asians. I was like, oh, oh. Singapore looks dope. Yeah. So the fact that I wanted to know, like, where is Rye Lane? Because it was so colorful. And the guy, when you were talking about most of the people around them are in um, yeah. neutrals, they are, except for the man in the cowboy hat with the blue outfit. Oh, you mean old Ken? 
from like the, the Barbie Ken. movies. Like he looks like <laughs> old Ken. I, that's what I wrote in my notes. Well, and the screaming child in the park is also in bright blue. Yeah. Right. And I, weren't they wearing like a pink helmet or something? I can't remember. Yes. But yeah, like that kind of stuff. But it made it, it made it feel very alive. Yeah. Made it feel very alive. It made it feel like um, it was a place that that people actually that people live and you're you know you're going about your day right so i looked it up and a rye lane market is in south peckham and is in uh peckham and brixton in south london and i was like oh "Oh, okay now i want to go there I think this yeah. whole movie is in South London. Like, We're right. Yeah. But, and it looks, South London looks different than like London you normally get on film. Yes. And I really dug it. I, I, I think it's cool. It was it was so cool, right? Yeah. It was so, so cool. But you're not getting like the O2 and the Big Ben or whatever. Like you're getting like where people actually live in London. Yes. Which I like. Right. It's cool. Yeah. I, pref- I prefer that. Me personally. too. I love that it's a place that you've never seen because we've seen a ton of movies in London. Oh, yeah. But I love that it's a place I it's a place that I've never seen when I've watched movies in London. So I was like, oh, this is a new locale. This is someplace that that feels very much like, oh, I would definitely want to go see that place and see what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me kind of of Camden Town because I've been to Camden Town in London. I haven't been to Brixton yet. But now Mm -hmm. I'm like, the next time I go, I'm going to go to Brixton. Like, I'm going to see this. This looks really interesting. Right, right, right. But yeah, we meet some of the other art characters that will come back later in the movie for very fun payoffs. There's the dude on the hoverboard that everyone thinks is going to buy one of the art pieces that they call Wes Anderson. That was they don't amazing. know his real name. They just call him Wes Anderson. I love that he was immediately assigned. Like, he's like, oh, no, 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 Wes Anderson. I was like, a perp. I was like, that's fair. That's fair. We also see him at the butt exposition, too, as he like yes. jets around the corner on the Segway thing. But here's Hilarious. what's extra funny for me. This, for me, I love a joke with multiple layers. This is definitely one of those. Hilarious to just call a random white art bro Wes Anderson funny on in like immediate level on multiple levels multiple extra levels. funny that we're watching a movie that has a very defined bright color palette visual style like Wes Anderson a la Wes Anderson a la Wes Anderson I was like this person knows what's up <laughs> they know right what's exactly up. Shout out to director Rain Allen Miller. Shout yep. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their first film. That that's the one fun fact we found because this movie is so new and and smaller is that it was the director's first film. Great job. Damn. Okay. I can't believe first film. Knocked it out of the park. First film. First film. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I'm sure they've made shorts, but uh, it's right. their directorial debut for a feature. Yeah. So. Through all of these conversations with all of their different art friends, we meet Nathan, who is the artist, who is kind of the, if you want to think of all of the friend relationships in this movie as like a little spiral map, he's the center. Yes. Because like his girlfriend knows Yaz because she dated his ex-friend and then he knows the other guy because they worked at KFC together with Eric. And so it's this very like spokes on a wheel and Nathan is kind of the center, but is very only in the movie for two or three scenes. Not, I think it's just the two. I think it's the two art scenes. Yeah, but and, but it's very reminiscent of Love Actual. Yes, very reminiscent of that. In that 
we meet all these people at the very beginning at this web. So they felt very, I, it felt very much that way. But it solves the problem of love actually because we only get the one love story we actually care about. Yeah. And we don't get, oh, by the way, Colin Firth is in this movie. Anyway. For like two seconds. I love it. Love the Colin Firth cameo. Love it. Me love too. Love it. Love it. Love Guactually. Come on. That, brilliant. I loved it. Brilliant. Loved I was it. like, how did they get Colin and they named the guy Colin. They didn't yes. even, they're like, no, they no, just no. call him Colin. Yeah, they're like, dude, everybody is going to know it's Colin Firth. We already called him Love Guactually. It's Colin. Obviously, the guy cooking is Colin. Hilarious. Is Colin. Loved it. Hysterical. I do love that they just want us to believe that Colin Firth is on hard times and really trying to cash <laughs> in on his Love Actually fame by starting what amounts to more or less a taco truck called Love Guactually. I loved everything about it. Oh, we will talk about it when we get there because I have thoughts about the taco truck. But yes, hilarious. And you are right. This does solve the Love Actually problem of spending too much time with the people that we aren't invested in. Yeah. This movie is like, all these people are related. We'll briefly tell you how, but like, we only care about these two people. Yeah. So we spend 90% of the movie with these two people. Yeah. Right. Perfect. I mean, there really is no B plot in this movie. It's all A plot. It's all them. I, I would say if you want to think of this movie as having an A and B plot, the A plot is the day they're having. The B plot are the things that they're going through that they're slowly revealing to each other, yeah. which is from a writing perspective, very difficult to balance, but they do it so well in this movie. And I want to shout out, and because you said that, I want to shout out Vivian O'Para, who plays Yaz, and mm -hmm. David Johnson, who plays Dom. Yes. They were both, this movie hinges on them having great chemistry and being believable. And I think that they, from the beginning, from jump, when you can organically, randomly talk to a stranger, because she was talking to herself. That's where it started. Right. Yeah. She was talking to herself in the mirror, and then he's like, I'm trying to have a private moment. She's like, bro, you are in a public restroom. This is not the place. <laughs> this is not private. <laughs> not here. Not here. To also find out that they are already part of the same friend group and just didn't know each other. Right. I think is a, a fun extra that we don't immediately find out. We kind of like oh. gradually learn it. I do love this. <laughs> It's not just that Dom's ex repainted the living room. She invited all their friends over to paint the living room and Nath went. It was like an event. I love that he I love that he tried to soften the fact that he went, that he was like, I was only there for 45 minutes. I only ate like this much and I painted barely and then I was out. <laughs> and then I was hilarious. Gone. And they're showing what Dom is picturing of that event. Yes. And it looks like they're painting the fucking Sistine Chapel on their wall. It's so funny. Okay, it's the Last Supper. Thank you. It's know, exactly what it yeah. is, the Last Supper. They are organized in order, in yeah. the same poses. Hysterical. But they're painting, not eating. But, but they're yeah. painting, not eating. It's but so funny. And in this moment, Dom starts crying, and Nath just says, shut up or I'll tell people it's performance art. Hysterical. <laughs> okay, another so thing good. I loved about this movie is the way that I had to learn a lot of British slang. Yeah. Sure. So I wrote down all the words I didn't know. So like when he said, when he said, if you're going to prang on, that means anxious or irritable, which is, I figured, but it because sure, context, yeah, but context I was like, blues, I need sure. to look it up. And then when he made him buy the peas and he was like, you must have bare peas. I'm like, bare peas. That must mean money. It said making a lot of money. And I was like, okay, love that I'm learning British slang while I'm watching this movie. The best. Super fun. I wonder if bare peas means like organic peas, like actual ones instead of frozen ones. I don't know. Anyway, the reason he has a lot of money is because he had to move out of his girlfriend's place into 
his parents' place, and the assumption is he's not paying rent. And therefore, because you're not paying rent, you could spend it on this wild piece of art that honestly, I dig. I vibes. And he was, and he's an accountant, so you know that he's right. kind of oh, like yeah. he's, he's got a good day watching job. his money, right? Yeah. Right. So he's like, you're an accountant. He's like, you're the person who should be buying my art, dude. Yeah. If you're British and you know why bear peas means making a lot of money, sound off in the Facebook group. I'm sure some of you will. Anyway. So the very next scene, as he's been crying or whatever, and she's been out of the bathroom talking to Cass, Nate's girlfriend, she acts out one of my biggest fears, which is that I will have a rough bathroom experience, maybe I ate something weird, whatever, (laughs) and that the people next to me in the stalls will recognize my shoes and know it was me. I don't know why this is a weird, intrusive thought that I have, but... I fear for especially when I'm doing comedy shows and I'm trying to like go to the bathroom before the show because I know I'm going to be on stage for a while. And I'm like, what if they see my shoes on stage and they're like, oh, my God, the comedian was the one stinking of the bathroom or whatever. Damn, she killed on stage and in the bathroom. And and the bathroom. (laughs) I feel that. I feel that. And so the fact that she like recognizes his shoes and is like, that's the guy crying in the bathroom. I was like, oh, no, people do remember the shoes. I feel that. And that's part of the reason that. Now that Flappers has a bathroom in the uh, in the green room, I, that's do. the only bathroom that's I ever use. That's the only is. one I use. That's the only one I ever use. Because I was like, I'm not trying to have interactions with people in the bathroom. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. People think they're funny. I just this is exactly the bathroom I was picturing. Yeah, <laughs> was the Flappers? Although Madhouse in San Diego, I have had the same fear because they don't have a green room bathroom, and I was just like, should I change my shoes? Like, what? Like, do I have extra shoes in the car? crazy right you just go to you just use the bathroom and like those like shower sandals you would use in college <laughs> and then you go back but to the green room and put your show shoes on <laughs> put on your actual but shoes. some <laughs> comedy clubs their bathrooms are so disgusting i refuse yeah. to go in i refuse to go in a bathroom at the comedy i never go to the bathroom at the comedy store if i have to go to the bathroom <laughs> i go to the hotel next door love a lady with standards absolutely not trash i do but it's because I get trapped up in the belly room doing roast battle and it's harder to get down. The belly room is the worst freaking bathroom. It's the worst one. It's called the belly room. What do you think's coming out in that bathroom? It's a, it's a black bathroom. I don't know yeah. what's going on in there. It is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Here's the wild <laughs> thing. I, I used to occasionally sneak into the main room and use the bathroom in the green room back there, which used to be Richard Pryor's private bathroom. That's why there's like a shower and tons of mirrors in there. But the door doesn't fully close. So you have to like gauge your like, how famous are the people that might walk in on me? <laughs> oh, my God. See this? I have a whole I have a whole podcast I did about bathrooms, Todd. You can listen to it. Decacation <laughs> in the dark forest. I have a whole thing about bathrooms. A whole thing. Wait, I talked about you it. You talked to for Jackie an hour, for, for an, an hour, hour about bathrooms. About bathrooms. I, you don't even know. You don't even know. Amazing. So. I did. I ranked bathrooms based on where they are and like hotels, number one bathroom. They hotels are. are the number one and bathroom. Sometimes they'll have cookies. I did that. And not the bathroom on the first floor, always the bathroom on the mezzanine because everybody yeah. goes to the bathroom on the first of floor. Course. You want a better bathroom. So that is why if I'm at the comedy store, I only go to that hotel next door and use the bathroom. The Andas next door. That's also where I usually park. Andas, it's a beautiful hotel. They have a magnificent bathroom. They have art installations in the lobby. Beautiful. I was like, why would I ever go to the bathroom there when I can go to the end? I can go to the Andas. (laughs) Anyway, she recognizes his shoes. I have a panic attack. But 
because she recognizes his shoes, she's just like, starts talking to him about the art. He has no idea that she is the one from the bathroom and that she has recognized him, which I thought was understandable and realistic. But also I was like, wild, how's that going to play out later? And I feel like that's something they get past very quickly. But I did really like how they handle it later in the movie. Yeah. But she realizes very quickly that he doesn't really want to be there for the art. They realize that they have mutual friends and that's how they've ended up there that day. But he gets pressured to buy one of the art pieces, which will come back later. Right. And they go to leave and they end up kind of walking the same way. And since they've been talking in the gallery, they kind of keep talking. And as they're walking, he's like, I'm going to cut through Rye Lane Market, which is kind of like an indoor swap meet. They decide, oh, I'm going to go that way, too. So they just kind of keep going. And as they're walking, he basically tells her about being an accountant how he became one. She talks about wanting to be Prince as a little kid, like <laughs> the Prince, like the artist formerly known Specifically as. Specifically from Purple Rain Prince. Purple Rain Prince. That's a very specific Prince era. Well, yeah, that is the best. We will do Purple Rain on this show sometime, Todd. I just need you to be ready for it. You remember that I have not seen that movie, right? I know. You haven't seen Purple Rain. I haven't, and I love Prince. How is that possible? And neither has Mikey. Mikey hasn't seen it either, and Purple Rain is like, sometimes I watch it just for shits and giggles. It's it, it's in my normal lexicon. It's so, It's it's I don't even know how to describe to someone who hasn't seen it. Like yeah. you just have to experience it. But but I like Prince so much that I will it. just occasionally go back and watch his halftime performance of the Super Bowl because it's great. It rained during Purple Rain. Why did you say why did I just watch that last night? Oh, did you? Can I tell you? I literally watched it last it's night. It's the best and I watched it performance I've ever seen. Why did I watch it? I watched it because I didn't I watched it and then I didn't remember that he covered Dave Grohl's Best of You yep. in that performance. Yep. Yes. And then it was apparently maybe because he was mad that they did Darling Nikki. But then apparently he liked them because at one point he and Dave Grohl hung out. Yeah, I think he and Dave were f- sort of friends as much as you can be friends with Prince. Dave Grohl said when Prince covered his song, he said that was the seminal moment in my life. I was literally yeah. sitting He's like, every moment, he's like, I was literally sitting in my house crying when I found out that Prince I would was too. singing my song. Same. He's like, that made every crappy gig I'd ever done worth it. Every horrible apartment I ever lived in, every time I was hours alone in my room practicing guitar. He's like, the fact that Prince covered my song, seminal moment in my life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a hundred, a hundred. Well, and Prince did almost exclusively covers for that halftime show, which is something that almost no one else has ever done. And right. Prince just like showed up at the NFL offices and was like, I want the halftime show. This is what I want to do. And like played a sample show of all covers. And they were like, okay, do you have the rights to cover any of those? And he was like, do you think anyone's going to say no to me? I'm Prince. And they were like, yeah, sounds about right. Okay. And they did it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Also, Dave Grohl was like 21 when Nirvana blew up. So like how many shitty like clubs did he have to? I bet I've played way more shitty clubs than Dave Grohl. I'm not saying, I mean, he blew up at 21 because he was very talented. But he started when he was so young. I think yeah, he, he started, started when he was like 13 or something yeah, crazy. And then I think yeah. he started like touring when he was 16. Yeah. And because his mom knew that that's what he wanted. He's like, my mom let me be like, you can graduate early if you want and go be a musician. He's like, and 
I couldn't believe she said okay. Yeah. Um. So he had been on the grind by the time. Oh sure, yeah. That hit, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. If you get in trouble, this is when you're a child. You can blow up by the time you're twenty. Yeah. <laughs> and still have all of the trauma. There you go. <laughs> like you've there had you time go. to there accumulate it. There you go. Um, so as they're talking, we find out that part of the reason that he is walking in this direction, even though he doesn't live there is to meet up with his ex for the first time since the breakup. And she starts asking about the breakup. We find out they were together for six years and that it's been three months since the breakup. And he tells her, here's why this happened. Like, I didn't break up with her. She started cheating on me. And the way it happened is, and we get, we cut to living through it as she watches where she is watching him go to the movies, get the snacks ahead of time. She's going to meet him there. But in the FaceTime saying she's going to meet him there, there's a low res dick in the background. And he knew that dick because it was his best friend, Eric, which we do get a fun cutaway of them peeing in urinals next to each other. That is hilarious. Hilarious. It is very funny. (laughs) And he goes home, allegedly breaks the door down, but it turns out, no, that never actually did happen. Right. And the way that they did that, I love the device of not only flashing back to telling that moment, but the fact that she is sitting next to him, living that moment with him as he watches himself do it. I thought that was brilliant. I thought it was so, so clever. The way that, just the way that they... They're literally together walking through this memory and he's showing her what happened. Even better, something that I noticed that I thought was so fun that I loved. So she has popcorn because it's the movie theater. So she's like almost watching his memories as a movie. When we get back to real life outside of the, the flashback, she still has the popcorn. Yeah. In fact, she walks with it for a while. And later on, when we see her version we get a, a similar vibe of him kind of watching and experiencing this and the popcorn trades hands. And I was like, this is such a fun way to kind of display this idea of watching someone else's bad time starts to make you feel better a little bit, which is terrible, right. but it's right. they're doing it for each other. And it is a fun visual and narrative device in the movie. Which is amazing because I didn't even realize that they passed the popcorn back and forth. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And also, go to your point about going through it together was very much Misery Loves Company. And this is this other horrible thing that happened to me. Yeah. So they get to the point where they're going to have to kind of split up because he has to go to the restaurant to meet his ex. She has to go on with the rest of her day. We don't know what the rest of her day entails. We will find out later. But... She asks, do you want me to go with you? And he's like, no, I have to do this and I have to clear the air. And she's like, "Okay, fine. He goes in alone and the amount of callous joy from his ex and his former, I guess, best friend. But, you know, whatever is wild. The fact that they're acting like it's nothing and they're like, guilt can't go on forever. And I was like. It can't, like, you guys did something wrong. You don't get to just decide to stop feeling bad. They're very much like, hey, man, it's been three months. When are you going to let us off the hook for cheating on you? Right? Maybe never. Also, can we talk a little bit about the guy singing the song about the meat? Yes. That was amazing. I was like, oh, this is a musician's corporate gig. Yes. They were like, we're going to pay you to come and just sing about flipping over the coasters from red 
to green. <laughs> to green. It was amazing. I loved everything about it. I was like, first of all, this is the artist's struggle. Yeah. That you have to be something. You never want to compete with food. No one wants to compete with food. Competing with food is the worst. Or or football games. Yeah. There uh-huh. you go. He's com- he is in there doing the work because he's like, there's going to be a check at the end of this. Oh, my God. Terrible. <laughs> On a segue. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> with Christmas I, lights. I, as a comedian, I felt so seen. I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God, I feel all of your pain, sir. All of it. Also, I know there's a check at the end of this from you. I get it. Yep. I get it. Look, hey, all of us at some point or another have been standing in a Mimi's cafe and been like, who here is dating? <laughs> like, is there anybody driving for Uber? <laughs> I know I have. And you know what? <laughs> that spice cake muffin was great payment. Thank you. Let me tell you about tell, let me tell you about my lift experience. Let's talk about it. But as they're talking and he is losing this dinner battle if we want to think of it that way. Oh yeah. He's not standing up for himself. Eric clueless. Clueless. And God bless Eric. Just it's all the emotional, the angst. We see all the angst, all the emotional trial that is going on with Dom. Eric Feeding his face, missing all that. Feeding his missing face, all of it. missing all of it. Not a thought in his beautiful head. I mean, head just empty, just, yeah. just rocks rolling around. And that's part of the reason I think that we understand why he ultimately ends up forgiving Eric because <laughs> God bless Eric. Eric is not complicated and he just, yeah, he's not self-aware. No. So he doesn't understand what's happening. The, especially judging by the fact that like, as this scene continues to go on, Eric will take multiple pieces of criticism as compliments. I know. And mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> but also he's like, yo, try the croquettes. They'll make you cream. And, and he's like, oh, sorry. Right. I mean, Anyway, you're alone. Uh, but he's also giving him like tips for the restaurant. Like flip this to green, like get more meat, get all the meat you <laughs> and can. Also, if you're not going to take any meat, take some and give it to me. I want more meat. Yeah, give me more of the meat. I want all the meat. He's like, I'm never turning this over to Red. They're going to have to carry me out of here. I was like, this is Eric's best day. It's exactly why <laughs> Mikey loves Brazilian steakhouses. Like yes. when I saw this scene, I was like, it's a shame Mikey is not on this episode because this is all he would talk about the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. He would he would keep coming back to it for sure. I loved how evolved Dom was trying to be about it. Yes. Like he was trying to be like, oh, you know, this is this is part of the process. This is part of growth. This is part of moving forward. And she was like, bust that. They they yeah. suck and they need to know it. Yeah. Yeah. They did mean things to you and it's okay to be angry about it. Right. Yeah. And then she comes in and sort of like saves the day here, which I Thank love. Thank you. I literally yeah. wrote that down. Yes. Yeah. Saves the day. Hell yeah. Yep. She busts in and is like, we're together. We've been together. Their story. I love that the fake story they have about meeting ends up being real by the end of the night. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I love that. That was the plot twist that I didn't that I didn't see coming that I was like, same. Oh, my God. They're going to do a karaoke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love the way that he wasn't into the story initially. And then once he was in it. They were both just ramping it up, ramping it up, ramping it up. Because Yaz's story was that they were at this karaoke bar and they like mistakenly got put in for a song together. And then he's like, 
was it a bar or was it like a full ass mini concert? It like, was a concert. He keeps building it up to like be a bigger than. Th- yeah, it's so funny. I the love people that. with merch and that. one of them has a shirt that says I, I Heart Dom and then lifts <laughs> their shirt and their shirt underneath has like hearts where your titties would be that just say yes. Yeah. Like uh, they somehow bought them before. So funny. And just the way that they just. And like that, they just told that story, and then you see it go from being sort of this little thing to like now they have they are at rock star status at yes. this karaoke bar. I mean, by the end of them telling the story, they are both saying and chanting "Yes and Dom, Yes and Dom," and Eric is also like. Yes and Dom. Yes and He's like saying it along with them because there's no thought in his heads. It's so funny. In the memory, this is so <laughs> funny to me. Like in this scene, because Gia is like, you did karaoke because Dom clearly is not a karaoke guy. Right. But when we cut to the memory of them doing karaoke and the room goes silent, basically almost to like the reality of what it would be for Dom. Eric is still in the back of the karaoke. Yes. Cheering. Yes, and, and he's the only one and you could just like spot him from a mile away. So funny. I feel like that's part of the reason that we see when they let us see this side of Eric and how he's so just, he's just clueless. Yes. So they're like, how can he continue to be mad at someone who doesn't even realize the damage that they've done? Right. Like it's not, he's not capable of understanding how much damage he did to his best friend. He doesn't get it. I don't think Eric is capable of complex thought. I just don't think it's a thing that he has access to. He is not. He is not. Considering we go into his next story is how he got fired from the sports bar and it's for keeping bottles of piss in his locker. He got up to 18 18, bottles of piss. 18 bottles of piss in his locker. And he's like, I kept thinking, I gotta throw him out. I gotta throw him out. And then I just didn't. Oh, my goodness. I love how he's like, oh, they fired you for that? He's like, yeah, it's real political over there. Like, it's not real political over there, bro. You were hoarding piss in your locker, bro. They're hoarding your urine in a locker. They're like, this is a health hazard. You have That's Howard Hughes' behavior, Eric. Like, what yes. am I doing? But here's the thing. When you're Howard Hughes, it's eccentric. When you're not, you're crazy. And right. Stop when it. you're Eric, you're just like, do you not know where the bathroom is? I realize that you might not know, even though you've worked here for a long time. He'd be like, we have a bathroom? Eric, you do not own this place. You work here. You have to go. You gotta go. go. You have to go. But at that point, when he says that story, Yaz is like, you cheated on him with him? For this? It's it's great, honestly. I love Yaz for this. When she lights into her and yeah. gives Gia the read of her life. Yes. Perfect. No notes. Yeah. Perfect. Shout out to uh, Nathan Bryan and uh, Todd Melia. That read, the read that she gave to you. Perfect. No notes. Yeah. Get out of town. Ama- well, because she also, she perfectly emotionally reads her of like, you got scared. So you picked the least complicated option that wouldn't question anything emotionally about you. But on top of that, your man swiped me on Tinder like a week ago and they leave and Eric won't show Gia his phone. Cause it's sleepy. His phone's in sleepy right. mode. It's, sleepy. Paige. it's sleeping. <laughs> it's in sleepy mode, but it's definitely her like clocking him and being like, you're definitely the kind of guy that wouldn't have deleted those apps yet. So I'm going to take a chance. Well, and she right. even says that later. Yeah. Right, she's like, right. I didn't really like swipe him on Tinder, but like he's the kind of guy. And clearly he is because he won't give her her phone. Yes. So what was so great about that moment was that you sit there and you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, I can't, 
that that she not only came when he she said she wasn't coming, right. but came and literally turned that entire moment around. Yeah. Like yes. it was gonna be the worst of the war. Like you can tell between the guy talking about the meat on the thing, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is gonna be the worst thing that he's ever been through. Yeah. And then when she swoops in, you're like, oh, no, no, no. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But because she swooped in and saved it, he's thrilled. And he's like, let's go actually get food since we left this, you know, green light, red light steakhouse. Anything you want is on me. And she's like, great. Do you trust me? Perfect. So they walk to Love Guacchuli where Colin Firth is making burritos. <laughs> I loved everything about that cameo. I was like, Oh my gosh, Colin Firth is in the middle of this movie and I can't stand it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I think he has an attitude about how you order. Your spicy levels. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, mm, are you a baby? Is it well, is it too spicy for you? Hilarious. So when I was in Japan, the British expats in Japan asked us at one point, they were like, what's your American drunk food? After you're drunk all night, right. what's the food that you eat? Right. And we were like, oh, Mexican food, like street tacos, whatever. Right. And they're like, oh, weird. Ours is kebabs. And we all thought we were like meat on sticks. Like right. we did not realize that their version of kebabs was dangerously close to burritos. So they took us for kebabs and we were like, this is just Mediterranean burritos with really weird long French fries. And I want it every day. This is my new drunk food. It was amazing. That sounds good, though. Yeah. But it looked very much like those. So when when they're when they're walking to get the the food, I love how much of the neighborhood that you see, and mm -hmm. they show like the that you that you get a sense of a, such a sense of place. And the musical choice was amazing. The way that you're like this great thing is happening now. We're gonna go celebrate with food. I thought that was I thought it was such a great montage moment. It was such a great montage moment. Yeah. Just long enough that you get a sense, but not that it, it did go on too long. It was the perfect way. There are montages of like establishing shots of their uh, surroundings are never longer than a minute or so. So it's one of those things where you feel like you're getting a lot of this color and texture to the film. Right. But it's not taking forever. Like, right. there have been movies we've done that are two hours long and you're like, you could cut 30 minutes out of this if you just trimmed establishing shots. Right. And it makes a movie drag so much. Yeah, we're right. They're very smart about how they do it in this movie. And also, they never do it without our characters walking through those shots. But also... Frequently, those shots are done either with a fisheye lens right. to add a little more visual interest or other like ways to play with the depth of what you're seeing right. to create even more visual interest. You're kind of looking and it's almost this way of visually representing how kind of otherworldly a day like this can feel right. when you feel like you're, oh my gosh, I met this person early things of love, even though we know that like, it's just vulnerability and trauma bonding, but they will get over it. It's fine. <laughs> but it's it gives it that kind of magical feel to it, which is really fun. Yeah. They use the fisheye lens a lot in this movie, and it like brings in a lot of like what is around them, which is why I think I like the area they shot it, because you see so much of it. But they also use it at the very end when they come together at the very end and they're like it's circling around them and it goes from a wide angle lens where they appear sort of small in the world around them and then it keeps getting closer and they stop using the wide angle lens and it just really hyper focuses on the two of them and I fucking loved that shot like I almost right, cried right. I was like this is 
awesome. Right. It's just really good storytelling with just the lens. Yes. How like when you come together at the end, the world sort of fell away for them. Right. And I love that. It was so well done. Cinematography is like a thing for me. I love it. They also do it when he gets drunk. Yes. They they really dial up the fisheye to kind of give it this like, uh, yeah. like almost a disorienting feeling, which is kind of fun. I also loved that when they, when she was talking to him about his parents and when he was talking about how his parents were like, He's like, yeah, they bought me a PlayStation and my mom makes me eggs and soldiers. Had to look up soldiers. Didn't know what that was. It's thin pieces of toast. Yep. Uh, but but when they, when she was talking about how much love he, uh, like you could tell, even though he was like, my mom makes me food every day. They bought me a PlayStation. My dad always wants, makes me go on these bike rides. But you can see how close he is to his parents. Yes. And how much they love him and how much they are they are doing whatever they can to help him get through this breakup. Yeah. And then you also notice that she doesn't necessarily have that by the way that she talks about it and how cool that she thinks, even though she's like, oh, he's a mama's boy. But then she goes back and says, you know, I love that. She's like, at least you have parents who are there. She's like, I don't know that that would, that's not the kind of reception I would get if I tried to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. (laughs) I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's we're gonna table that. <laughs> but on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my god, guys, this actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for Factor Meal, all remains of the pod. Heck yeah. We're gonna table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I. And it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah, and I, I struggle with proportions. In fact, it comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re- ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor Meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now, because <laughs> Factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the I end know. of the ad. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I do also love in this scene, she starts 
asking questions kind of about like what kind of person he is. So this is the scene where we get the there's two types of people, people who wave at boats and people who hate joy. Yes. Which is a very fun throwaway line that will come back. But also this is where now that she's met Gia, she's like, there was really no sign that things were over before it was over. And this is a moment where Wedding Singer has one of my favorite moments like this, but this one is great as well. In The Wedding Singer, Drew Barrymore references this moment where they were going on a plane for the first time and she had never been, and she wanted the window seat and he forced her to sit on the aisle, even though he flies all the time. Yeah. And it's just this moment of like him not empathizing or thinking about her for something very, very small. In this movie, the version of that is it's their anniversary. He decides to plan something that he thought would be romantic. So he does a candlelit dinner at the place where they went on their first date. And instead of accepting and appreciating the nostalgia of that and what it represents for how long they've been together, she's like, you brought me to a place to eat chicken nuggets. And I think it's a great dichotomy that Yaz is like, I would have loved that because she recognizes what he was trying to do and Gia did not. And he also didn't right. take her like just to go order chicken nuggets, sit there and eat yeah. like they did the first date. Like he like rents out the whole place, it seems like, sets up yeah. a table with like a candle. It's like a candlelit dinner at a place. Right, exactly. Which I will admit it's not an expensive place. But that's super sweet. But he still had to pay the guy for all the chicken he wasn't going to spend that he wasn't yeah. going to sell that night. So it could just be the two of them. It's super sweet. Yeah. And then when you the moment when you see the guy banging on the window, I yeah. need some chicken. I need my chicken. Instead of her thinking, what a great anecdote. She's like, <laughs> right. I can't believe I got my eyebrows done for this. That was her answer. Brutal. She was the worst. But going back to what you said about um, people who wave at boats and people who don't. Yes. That made me think about um, the thesis of the movie, which I believe is everybody has met. At the very beginning, when she was later talking about something and she says, I can't remember what they were talking about, but he, she said, no, 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 everybody has mess. So that's when I feel like you get the moment of as iconic as he thinks she is and what their breakup is, there's going to be something that's going to come up because it can't go as well as she said it did. Right. Everybody has mess. Right. For me, this like touched home a little bit because I, I think I've talked about it on the show before. My dad worked at McDonald's when my parents got engaged. And so, like, he asked my mom to marry him in the parking lot of a McDonald's. So sometimes on their anniversary, they go get McDonald's. I love that. That's awesome. Right? That's adorable. And they've been married for, like, 42 years. So, like, clearly McDonald's can work. But it's this idea of, like, us being together is more important than the material things that come along with it. And she don't get that. Gia doesn't get it. Right. Yaz does, though. Right, right. He also, at this point, mentions that one time he tried to hide chocolates in bed for a girlfriend, but then they met- melted and she thought that he shot himself. That was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was so fun. That was so funny. That was so funny. Words of the wise. No, baby, they're Cocomels. I promise. <laughs> and and they're, the banter in this movie, the way that it's written, is so good. It's so spot on. It's so, like, and I love the way that they weave from you can be in a serious moment and talking about a serious thing, but then they'll turn it on a dime and it'll be something funny. Yeah. So it's like when Yaz gives Gia the read of her life, but then at the end she's like, oh, and he swiped me on Tinder last week. It was just, it was enough of a heightened moment that you're like, oh my God, but then they immediately went to the funny and they're like, oh, but also, by the way, this is a comic. Like, I love that. I love that. So good. And they do have a conversation at this point of, are they going to continue the date or is he going to catch the night bus? 
we will see the night bus later, which I love. It's it's such a quick cutaway, but it's great. Fucking the love night the night bus. bus. Woo! Night bus! <laughs> night bus! <laughs> <laughs> we have all been on the bus at night. We know what happened. Yeah. In Europe, too, where it doesn't run as often, and it is a wild cast of characters on the night bus. Girl, I, the one night I was on a bus in Chicago, it's proud to get a home. It was like I was in a horror movie. The dr- the driver on the bus was so erratic that I got off. It was like 1230 at night. I got off in the middle of the park. I was like, maybe I'll get murdered, but I'm not going to die on a bus. Like it was- I'll die in a park like a civilized person. I was like, I guess I'm going to get murdered in this park because I cannot, I cannot sit on this bus and let him drag me into a tree. I can't, can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> All that to say, we all know the night bus. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying. So they decide to stick together. They're, he's going to chance it on maybe having to take the night bus, but they're going to spend the rest of the day. They go out for drinks, and while he's grabbing drinks, she gets a call for an interview that she is supposed to go to, and she cancels. Yeah. And this is, we've already heard her talk about how she wants to be a costume designer, and her canceling, in a way, lets us know that part of the reason she's not a designer is her. It's not all, you know, things conspiring against her. It's something about her and her confidence and her ability to do this job. But when he comes back with the drinks, we get her breakup story, or at least her version of it, in which she was trying to get romantical one night. She made hummus, and he brushes her off and is very, very dismissive. And so she has... (laughs) A life phrase that she basically discovers in this moment that if you make the hummus, you should get the head. So she dumps hummus on him and leaves, but forgets her Tribe Called Quest album in the apartment, something that she very much wants back. Yeah. And let's talk about that moment when this is all I love the fantasy moment that this is happening on a stage as she's telling it. And it is an audience full of doms. Yep. What looks like maybe a hundred doms yeah. sitting there watching all of this play out. I thought that was brilliant. It was great. So funny. So interesting. So great that they had not just one version of dom, but like different doms having different expressions on their yes. face as all of this is going down, including there's an audience of doms. But then there's also a dom that's up in the side, like the peanut gallery, who is like the main dom. And he's like, well, and he's like shy and like hiding. Yes. Right. He's like, that's a lot of information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, she's going down on that guy. And he's like, oh, should I be here like, saying this? This is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> but we come back from the flashback and he's like, well, that's what we're going to do. That's our next challenge is yeah. we're going to go find an album. We're going to go to a record store. We're going to find a copy. And she's like. No, because the principle of the thing is I want my copy, which I have absolutely been that person before. That's why. So I have my parents piano in my house. It sat in storage for six years, uh, which probably was triple the cost of just getting a new piano. And at one point, my you're talking to someone who's going on 13 years of a storage locker. I understand. And so you're paying. That's right. That's right. And my dad was like, look, I'll buy you a new piano if I don't have to move this piano. And I was like, I don't want a new piano. I want that piano, this piano, the one I learned to play on piano. So I am definitely a person that would get irrationally attached to objects, much like he has in this film. So now they're like, 
well, let's he's out of town. Let's go get that album. Now we're going to break yeah. and enter <laughs> to get that album. And yet again, let's talk about how much stuff they've already gotten done on this day. Now they have another task. Yes. They have gone to the art opening. Yes. They have gone to the breakup lunch. Yep. They have gotten food from Colin Firth. They have sat <laughs> in the park. And now it's time to go get the album. They are getting things done. Time to do a little B&E, baby. Right. Little B&E. So they go to the apartment. She still has keys and she tries to use them, but the locks have been changed. So she's like, I know where we can go. We're going to go to his mom's house and we're going to get the key to get in. Now they show up and clearly his moms love her and don't like their son all that Shout much. out to Janet and Denise. Yes. I love that it was, it was a moment of not, I can't believe she's here. It was a moment of, oh my God, thank God she's back. Are they going to get back together? Yeah. That's what I felt like it was. They're yeah. trying to talk her into getting back together with him the whole time. And when we find out the real story, like that has a whole extra layer to it. But they're not sure about Dom because they want her to get back together with Jules. Dom is persona non grata. They were like, yes. I guess you can come in. I mean, the stink face. Later in the party, you see, you hear him go, he's not really your type, is he? Like, yeah. tra- talking about Dom, like, because they want him to date their son. Yeah. My favorite is she goes around. She's looking to try and find keys in the house. He is sitting out, you know, in the cookout and eventually strikes up a conversation with one of her, I, I'm, I'm assuming uncles, basically, as as a blanket term. When they made him sit in the, the kitty chair. The kid chair. <laughs> it was rough. Oh God, rough time at the so cookout. Good. Oh, my God. But then they take his iPhone and they're like, oh, we'll just put it on shuffle. We'll play some of your music. Dangerous. Oh, God. Dangerous. But my favorite is that they start, and it's all breakup music. Yeah. All breakup music. And even the white guy sitting next to him gets up to leave. Like, that's how (laughs) bad the music is. And then Terrence Trent Darby saves it. Yes. Terrence Trent Darby saves it. By doing (laughs) an unplanned solo. And it is worth every single second. And it does play again later in the movie, the actual <laughs> version of the song. Awesome. So good. Meanwhile, what he does not know, because one of the uncles is like, oh, yeah, they keep all their stuff in the drawer, basically setting him up to get caught going through an underwear drawer. Oh, it is a setup. It's revealed later. 100%. He did it on purpose. 100%. Yeah. Also, why is their underwear drawer in the hallway? Peter did him wrong. Yeah. Peter did him wrong. Peter did him wrong. You're right. Especially when he came up the stairs and he was like, <gasps> how dare Dare you? Exactly. So, <laughs> I was like, Peter, you are not right. You're not right. You're not right. Oh, hilarious. He, Peter set him up. Hilarious. The setup. Oh, oh, my goodness. But what he doesn't know is that she has talked to the moms about why she needs the keys. And they're like, we don't have one, but we think we know someone who does. But also, what's the deal with that guy? And she's like, look. I met him this morning. He was super sad. I'm trying to cheer him up, which I think is just her giving them an answer right. to get out of the house. But he now super drunk on rum has overheard it and is like, what the fuck? Like, why would you say that? So they now leave with a Vespa. Now they know where they're going to go to get the next set of keys. And I also love that he confronted her because a lot of times in yeah. times, what they'll do is they'll let that fester They won't ever talk about it. And then they talk then at the very end. They're like, but I thought blah, blah, blah. They don't confront it in the moment. And that irritates me. I love that he confronted it in the moment that he said, I heard what you said about. Yeah. 
So then they could at least, we can move past that. Because once they talk about it and she's like, this is what I mean, blah, blah, blah. They could just move. So we don't have to go back to that moment. We can move past that moment immediately. I really like that. Yeah. I love it. And I love that also in the moment, she's like, look, yes, I felt sorry for you. Obviously, you were sobbing in a public bathroom. But secondly, <laughs> and she's very vulnerable in this moment of like, I had an interview and I didn't know if I wanted to go and I wasn't feeling great about it. And in a way, I needed a reason to not go. And you became my reason. He's like, but also you're having fun. And she's like, yes. So like, let's continue breaking and entering. So now. Right. right. Shout out to the helmets with like the Jamaican flag. <laughs> with the Jamaican flags on the <laughs> side. I love what? when they reveal that because, uh, you know, they give Yaz like their Vespa or like their, you know. Yeah. And you think he's walked away. Yes. And that they're not together anymore. Yeah. And then you just see her driving it. And then you hear her go, you okay back there? And then his little head pops out with another helmet. I loved it. He's so like, funny. no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Doing okay. I'm, it's all exhaust back here. <laughs> and again, that shows you the fact that the moms let her take their Vespa. Yeah. That lets you know how invested they are in her being a part of their family. They're like, we don't know this new girl. We know you. Right. You're the one that we're pulling for. Hey, I've been that girl sometimes. Right. You know what? It's a wild experience. Right. We we've all been that girl. That they're they're like, but you sure it's not gonna work. Oh. <laughs> That's what I like her. So they have to go find Mona because Mona right. waters his succulents. And so Mona has a key. They go to find Mona. Mona hosts karaoke. And Mona, I love Mona. Mona was everything. She's great. Mona was everything. Mona is everything. Because Mona is like, what is in this for me? You get to do all the fun things like shitting in sinks. Like Mona plants this seed of like, what if you go in there and shit in a sink? And now you're going to have all the fun shitting in the sinks? (laughs) I I didn't get to go around shitting in sinks. And like, I want to. Like now that I've said it, it's all I want. But... Mona says they have to sing for the keys and Mona randomly picks a song. That song ends up being Salt and Peppa's Shoop. Now, we have already established that Dom don't karaoke. Right. Yaz seems more like the type. She does. But Dom don't. And Yaz kind of starts to chicken out. Yeah, she chickens out. This is where Dom, I think, is revealing a little more of his character arc of like, this day has given him a little more faith in himself. So he goes up. Yeah. And he does the whole intro, too, of like, not you, the bow-legged one. <laughs> I was like, Dom, yeah. Hilarious. But the audience is like responding, not like they're listening to the song, like he's just on stage asking them their name. Right. Right. It's uh, hilarious. It's so, it's so and it's funny. It's like, it's going badly. People are starting to boo, which like. Never do it karaoke. Like, Don't you're not boo. supposed to be a good singer at karaoke. You're supposed to all have a good time and celebrate each other's weirdness. Yes. Like, that's what karaoke is. Then there you go. That's what it is. She joins him on stage. So yes. now they are doing it together and they're awesome. Like, yeah. it's so much fun. And the crowd does get super into it. No one sells merch, though. There's no merch. There's no merch. No merch. But they do get off the stage and it's this moment of like, we just did something so exciting together. And we're here together. And they end up making out in that bathroom. And it's hot as hell. I was like, yes. Yeah, they do have chemistry. Yes. That was the thing. That was their, I felt like that was their falling in love moment. Like that was their moment where we were like, oh no, these two people, they're going to go the distance. They're going to go the distance. Well, and I love that it's the thing that they lied and told people before. And then it comes to be. It's so fun. That's right. 
That was brilliant. Brilliant. They get the keys. They break and enter. And we get a mini tour of Julius's apartment, which is hilarious. Because yes, I love that he picks up a sculpture and is like, this is how I imagine Obama smells. I wrote that down because <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Also, I got to learn Gath is someone's house or their place. That's another. Uh, okay. That's another. I learned another um, British slang. I was like. Indian's house. Let me look it up. Interesting. Oh, and that I uh, that also they call a diva cup a moon cup. Moon cup. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, in England, I was like, oh, didn't know they called it a moon. Now I couldn't I'm- figure out if that was just a brand because there might be a moon cup brand. Right? Is it? Is it a? It, there could be. There could very well be. It's a menstrual cup. Regard. Yeah. Whatever. Go. Regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vampire's wine glass. <laughs> vampire's wine. When she put it in the rice, <laughs> I just slow clapped. I was like. Hey. I was like, yes, bitch. I was like, the bitterness goes deep. It goes deep. Deep. But this is how we find out that his new girl, Tabby, who is a life coach, has moved in and it's only been three months. But this is where we're starting to get the idea that "Mm, maybe this breakup didn't go the way she says. Exactly. And as they're kind of going through the house, they hear someone come in, they hide, and Julius and Tabby come home early. And Julius just immediately shits on her. Like, he makes her feel so small. He yeah. is so condescending and so gross. And he basically is like, she'll drag you into all her petty shit. How's the doodling going on the cut? Co- it's just gross. So mean. So undermining. And it's like, it's revealed that, like, she didn't really do anything mean. Like, she didn't do terrible things to cause this breakup. It was a toxic relationship and he threw her away. Yeah. And the reason she lied about it is she was having trouble coming to grips with her own worth, feeling like someone did not value her. And does she even have value after that? And of course she does. But that's her arc that we're now figuring out. Yeah. And then even still, when Dom stood up for her and he was like, yes, this is what's wrong with her. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada. Dom's like, well. These are all the things I've done today since we were together. It's been kind of great. Yeah, like it's been a great day. And you know what? Right. We're getting this fucking album. Like we're leaving. Right, right, right. And he knocks over a sculpture. Dude, when he when they knock over one of the sculptures and then her ex-boyfriend runs with the other one, it's like trying to keep them Running away from, interference. The, from knocking it over. It's so funny. It is and such a funny scene. The hanging plants are also sculptures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. and the light. Did you see the weird light in yes. the middle? That was yeah. also a sculpture. And I loved it. That he sl- that he open hand. I don't know why I love this. I love that he open hand slapped Dom in the because face. No one. <laughs> I would like to say I don't think anybody saw that coming. I know I did. I didn't. I thought it was funny though. When he open hand slapped him, I was like, oh. And then he like looks at his hand like, did I just slap him? Like it's so funny. Yeah. It's because Dom a few minutes before was like, we shouldn't get in a fight. Your hands are your tools. Don't hit me. My face is really bony. And then when he slaps him, instead of like punching him, he just right. open hand yeah. five across the eyes. Right. And I I love the noise that Dom makes when it happens because he's kind of like, ah! <laughs> as he gets hit. Oh, very funny. Oh, my goodness. But they leave. They make it out. They've got the album. And this is where she comes clean. Yeah. And she's like, I lied. I got dumped. The breakup was fucking hard. I accidentally liked a photo of Tabby from five years ago on her mom's Facebook. We've all been there. Oh, I have liked a lot of five-year-old pictures of Tabbies. On like accident. Like literal yes. pets. Yes, right. absolutely. <laughs> yep. My my algorithm on Instagram is like 80% cats and dogs, like cute 
animal videos. Sometimes it'll throw a goat in. I'm here for it. There you go. The, the little baby ones. Baby goats, baby. Uh, Yeah, can't get enough of that. So he then told everyone she was a stalker. Yeah. And all of her friends believed him except for Cass. And this is what she's been dealing with. And now Dom is like, no, I can't get a beer with you and start over because you lied to me all day. And like, I get that it's not perfect and I have my own shit, but like, I can't continue today knowing the lies. And they do kind of lash out at each other a little bit, throwing things at each other that they have learned throughout that day. It was very mean. Uh, Very mean. Just find a toilet so you can cry in it. Just like very mean. He hands her the album. She throws it away. We find out she doesn't even keep it. I was so annoyed when she threw it away. I was like, all the work you guys did for that album? Yeah. I actually sort of liked that she threw it away, and I'll tell you why. Okay. It wasn't about the album. It was spending more of the day with Dom. Yeah, it was never about the album. Yeah, and that she does go and just replace it later when she's yes. going through her, like, it's I don't know how long it is, but let's just say three months apart, you know? Yeah. Whatever that length of time is. It, it felt like a reasonable amount of time. It, it was did. enough time for to get a great job which yay i'm so glad she yeah, got a yeah, costuming yeah. job enough time for him to move out of his parents house yeah enough time for him and eric to get get, get some kind of an understanding to get sort of right again yeah <laughs> get right with each other because god bless eric he doesn't know oh big beautiful dummy Rim, big thank you i can say it as a big beautiful dummy i could say it it's fun <laughs> As a himbo myself. Um. <laughs> but it was enough time for him to move, enough time for her to get a great job, yeah. enough time for them both to be like, we need some space to figure our own things out. I also love that they, the song that they picked for the montage, Let Go of the Earth, that was great. I thought yeah. that was a great choice. Well, before we get to the montage, though, we do get his brief ride on the night bus. <laughs> I love that fucking night bus page because it really is just like a dude eating what looks like carne asada out of like a to-go potato. It could be a kebab. So random. Yeah. So random. He's almost sort of out of focus because Dom is in focus, right? And he's a little bit further away. So the field of view is tighter. Anyway. Right. But like you see him like night bus. And then Dom has no reaction (laughs) and he just gives it a beat and then goes. Woo! It's so funny. It is like that man has had the fucking best night. Clearly. And he's not gonna let Dom's sadness ruin his night. Right. He's like, no, no, no. This is night bus. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. It was night bus energy though. The first rule of night bus is we whoop whoop night bus. Yes. Whoop whoop. Night bus. Whoop. So we do get the montage. Now I do love, first of all, her textile game is on point in her apartment. Right? Beautiful. I love that her room was was such a it was an I felt like it was an exact reflection of who she was yes. as like an artistic person. Yeah. Absolutely. So great. And his we see his parents, we see him eating the eggs and soldiers. Uh, but we then also see them start to move on in their lives. We do see her start to text him and then choose not to. And instead, she gets her job. He moves out. He learns to ride a Vespa, which is fun, so that he doesn't have to be on the back next time. Which I thought was hilarious. Very so funny. funny. Um, he eats a burrito. She goes and buys the album. She goes to the movies alone, but it's the movie theater that Flashback was in, so we assume that she's going, kind of hoping to run into him, maybe. Right. But it all culminates in... Nath has a new art show and it is butt themed. 
and it's great. Well, I don't know if you know this, Paige, but we know less about the human butt than we do about <laughs> Neptune. So like, it's about time some brave artist took a stance on booties. What I loved about that moment, it was it was, it was a book ending moment. It was. So we start, yes. we really start the movie where we began it. Yeah. But what is great about that moment is that we see that our two main characters are in a completely different place yeah. than they were at the beginning of the movie, which is amazing. But also that art exhibit has doors that are butt cheeks that open. <laughs> oh, when that door opened, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh Paige, my goodness. the one white lady who was like, that one's my butt. Like, yeah, we know, lady. You've been walking around telling everybody. That was Cass. That was Cass. That was, that was Cass. Oh, was it Cass? She okay. was like, that was Cass. And I love that Dom is always Dom because he was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm not going to look. I'm <laughs> no, good. I'm, I'm, I don't like, need no, to no, look. no, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't have to turn around. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But he basically is, is kind of talking about her at the art show and they're like, she's not coming. Yeah. But she calls and she is on the boat outside and he waves to her and she's like, I knew you were someone who waves at boats. So great. And he's like, is that you? So good. So good. This art gallery that they're in here, Paige, yes. looks a lot like the art gallery from Fleabag where she, they go to see yes. the stepmom's exhibit, which is also similarly themed. Yeah, well, it's it's all vaginas, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It also looks like when they had the reception in love actually yes where they were it looked oh like oh my that god thing. yes the santa hats yes, yes. <laughs> but he waves at the boat and she basically takes a moment to like i apologize i was still hurt i lashed out at you i shouldn't have and he's like it's okay i was still sensitive getting through my other thing they have a very healthy grown-up conversation rare in rom-coms yeah and she's like Hey, come down and meet me. Right. He does. They have one of the best kisses we have seen on a movie on this podcast in two years. Arguably. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. They have a lot of chemistry in this movie. So much. And let's talk about their fabulous outfits at the end of the yes. movie. He's got the blue plaid Adidas fit going on. He's got the fabulous red jacket. Yeah, it's perfect. You can tell they're both like, in a good place, like yes. they're just their outfits alone. You're like, no, no, no. They're come. They've come out of this. They are moving forward. They are living their best lives, and they're gonna keep doing it together because they then decide to go on an additional date and then kiss again. Like the movie ends on them kissing. And I'm like, we need. This is Jake Johnson level kissing. We need more of this in rom-coms. None of this Hallmark peck shit. Right. Give me real kisses and this movie has it. Give me a good scoop. Give me the scoop. Who doesn't love the scoop? Yeah. The scoop. Anyway. And, and that's, the, that's movie. the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about Rye Lane? I loved it. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, this was great. It, and what was great is when you've seen so many rom-coms as you all have seen, I think all of them. <laughs> a lot. When you see a movie like this and it solves all of the typical problems yeah. of rom-coms, you see how potentially great rom-coms can actually be. Yes. So when I saw this movie, I was like, no, no, no. There are people out here making amazing rom-coms, but yeah. they're not necessarily getting the budget or the eyeballs that you would need for some to move them up to the next level of yeah. 
let's give this person $50 million to make a rom-com. Oh, I would be shocked if we don't see this director and maybe even the writers and like the actors, like the main two actors. They're amazing. We will see them. They will work forever because of this movie, I think. Amazing, amazing. it's so good, you know? So well, uh, well done. They'll work forever because they were able to create this movie, I should have said. Right. Not because of this movie. For no money. Like, well, we'll talk. I did find the budget. We'll talk about it. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. But yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. It solves a lot of the problems I had when we rewatched the before movies. Like, we talked about it at the beginning. Loved it. It's a great, yes. Yeah, everyone should watch it. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a rom-com that was this good. I'm trying to I, think. Honestly, yeah. It's been so, because they try so hard, and every time I see it, I'm like, mm-hmm. A lot of times when we do movies that are like, for this podcast, not the horror one, but for this one, it is like, the crazier they are, the more fun it is to talk about, but the less fun it is to watch. And I sort of felt the opposite about this because it's just such a good movie i feel like most of the episode was like man wasn't this part fun wasn't this part great Ooh, wasn't it great when she said that to her like it's so great everyone should just watch it the banter was so yeah i mean the writing the writing amazing but i feel like none of that would have worked if vivian and david hadn't been so so good together yes and their chemistry wasn't so amazing Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think this movie also does something, and this is something uh, people who listen to this podcast have heard me complain about a lot. We really shy away from what I would call genuine human romance and genuine human connection in favor of this almost purity culture vibe of Hallmark movies and things that don't. Like they claim to be a romance movie and yet there's no chemistry. There's no people actually getting to know each other. There's no people pushing somebody into a bathroom to make out like none of that exists. And this movie doesn't shy away from it. No. And it is phenomenal. Like it just deepens the chemistry for them and it makes it very enjoyable to watch. I really liked this one. I'm so glad you guys liked it. I'm so glad you saw what I saw. Yeah, it's great. But Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? Todd, I burned the one fun fact there is for this movie. Now, here's the thing. Uh, There's two reasons for for this. One, even though this movie came out in in 2023, it was late in 2023. So this is actually fairly new. Yeah. Uh, But B, it was streaming only. So there there wasn't like a big release for it. So there's just not, not enough people have seen this movie to have added fun facts. I hope that us doing it changes that because it's genuinely great, but not a ton of fun facts abound, unfortunately. Other than that, they did some real fun camera tricks, which we have talked about at length in this episode. The the, the thing about the cinematography in this movie, I really let me look up who it is because like, it's so good. They should, we should shout them out. It's really good. So the, um, it's Olin... Collardi, Collardi, I think that's is how you say it. Like. Yeah, Olin yeah. Collardi looks like they were the cinematographer on this, and they crushed it. And when you say camera tricks, it's not like they're doing anything in like After Effects, yeah. that make it pop. I mean, they're probably color correcting it to make it pop, but like, sure, the it's really just the way they incorporate multiple lenses and the way that that from the wide angle to the close angle, like that third probably like 16 to 35 range millimeter at the end where it really pulls you in. Like, I just, I love that stuff. It's so well done, but it's not like hard to do. It's just well thought out shots. It's someone who is like really into the art of telling a story with the lens itself, not just what's being said on screen. And I love that anyway. Uh, but Paige, I do have a little bit of box office, so let me talk Yay. a little bit about that. So what do you think the production budget was for this movie? So 
it looks like, and I know anytime we do anything from the UK, the budget is lower. This looks in the five to seven million range to me. So I'm going to say okay. five million. I know what it is because I looked it up, so I'm not going to answer. Okay, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. You can recuse yourself. This uh, budget was, and it's an estimated budget because even they, I, I think, don't have uh, a full accounting of exactly what everything cost. But it was right at three million pounds, which is like three point eight million dollars is what it costs to make it this movie. It looks great for three million. I know. It does. It looks fantastic. It's it looks so, so, it's so, so good. good. Right? I think that's a shed. That's a, that's a testament to the production design. Me too. And 100. the set decoration. Okay, so production design was done by Anna Rhodes. So shout out to Anna. Yeah. And then the art direction was done by Ashley Dando. And one word looks like Lomanazers. L-O-A-M-E-N-A-S-E-R-S. I am assuming that that's an artistic sort of, and I'm sure I didn't say it right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, I'm sure that's not right. Um, but the fact that those people, that that they did what they did with that budget, because yeah. then looks to me, easily like $20 million movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. In America, it would be. <laughs> like in America, yeah. it costs you $20 million to make this movie. <laughs> We're right. And Colin Firth, I guess, I'm assuming he did it as a favor. I'm like, they didn't, they didn't pay him. He just had a free Saturday. Whenever you see someone like that in a movie this size, I always just assume someone may have like reached out through a mutual friend or an acquaintance or whatever. Right, exactly. Or they were just like, what if we just asked Colin Firth to do this because it's obviously <laughs> yes. a Love Actually like bit? Right. And he was like, I mean, I'm free this Saturday. Can we just shoot it right. this Saturday? Like, and they just never expected him to say yes. He said yes. They had to scramble to make everything happen, like that kind of thing. Right, exactly. He's like, yeah, I'm free. And they're like, oh my God, he's going to do it. Let's make this happen. Yeah. Now, it it did not get a theatrical release here for sure, but it did in the UK. It looks like it came out March 17th over in the UK last year. And it was seventh in the box office that week. It was only on 369 screens, though. So it's not like yeah. in the U.S. where you get a nationwide release and you're like on 3,200 screens or some shit. Right. Like they were on 300 some screens, which is not all the screens in the U.K. Like that's about probably a little bit less than half of what it could be at a net, like a full UK release. But I mean, it still brought in a uh, $314,000 that, that opening weekend. And it was in theaters for a total of like 10 ish weeks. Um, and it made like 1.5, almost $1.6 million worldwide. But it was really just in the UK is when it was released. Cause it pretty much went straight streaming everywhere else. Like I bet this movie made money in what companies have paid to stream it. But it didn't make, it wasn't like a financial success in the theaters, right? But it, I feel like it's the kind of film that it would have done like, if it was here and it had gotten released, it would have done like independent spirit. I feel like it would have made the rounds of all the sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's your box office. But maybe we should just do the romance scale. And since Mikey's not here, I will say the romance scale is a scale of one to four. That like is a scale of romance, not quality of movie. Um, so on a scale of one to four, Winter, what would you place this movie at as like a scale of romance? So we're talking about chemistry between yep. Yaz and Dom, right? Four. Chemistry, baby. Yeah. Four, 100%. Yeah. I mean, immediately when even when before they had even seen each other, when they were talking in the bathroom, which was so weird, I was like, eh, that's an interesting way to meet someone. And then when they met, I immediately felt like, oh, these are two people who are going to get along. I feel like yeah. this is going to mm -hmm. be a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like from the very beginning, I felt their chemistry. And I was like, 
oh yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be something. Yeah, Paige, what about you? What do you think? I am notoriously harsh on the romance scale, but I would still give this a four. This is one of the few where I'm like, I think they're together. I think they have great chemistry. The the few like physical interactions we get between them are phenomenal. Yeah, and there's no fake breakup. There's no like. I think this just works, so I will give this a four as well. Yeah, I was going to give it like a 3.5 or a four. Like, the only reason not further into that is because, like, we're really just seeing them getting themselves ready for their first date, you know? But I Which love that. is one of the things I love about this movie, right? Yes. Because we find these two flawed characters at a time in their life where they're not ready for love. They find it. But realize they have to do sort of some work before they can come back together. Right. And I, I loved it. I can't tell you how excited I am that you both love this review. I was loved into it. it. Yeah. It was so good. I'd yeah. even give this at least two lion roars. Maybe a, a lion roar in the half and there's no sex. Yeah. Right. And there's no sex. I was thinking the same thing. Because it is like they have chemistry, man. Our lion roar scale is how sexy we found the film. We established it during uh, 365, the Netflix one, because during the sex scenes, they put in the sounds of lion roars. And Are we you have laughed me? about it. Every- no, I'm dead ass serious. <laughs> okay. Clearly, I haven't seen that movie. Yeah, the 365 day movies are basically just pornography. <laughs> so, Winter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and suggesting this truly awesome movie that we both loved. I can't tell you how pleased I am <laughs> that I can tell someone else about this movie that I randomly came across on Hulu. And I was like, this movie's amazing. Why doesn't everybody know about this movie? Congrats. You just told approximately 150,000 people <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. 150,000 people. Go watch this movie. It's amazing. <laughs> this director, these people, they all need to work again. All of yes. them. All, all of them are still working. At least the two main actors and the director and the writers are still working. In fact, the writer, uh, one of the writers is like an actor too. Nice. And is like a working actor. Yeah. So about Winter, where can people get more of what you do? Okay. So um, you can go to my website. It's my name, winterspears.com. Winter is with a Y, Spears like Brittany. So W-Y-N-T-E-R, S is in Sam, P is in Paul, E-A-R-S. Uh, on March 2nd, I'm doing a show in Santa Monica. Nice. If you are in Southern California, I'm going to be doing a show called The Witching Hour at Ooh. 6 p.m. on Saturday, March 2nd at Westside Comedy Theater. Nice. It's the one with the cool entrance through the alley. Well, Winter, thank you so much for joining us here on Rants in the Pod and bringing this wonderful movie to our lives. We appreciate yes, it. thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd love to do it again. You definitely Absolutely. will be offered it for sure. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All right. So this week, Winter made us watch Rye Lane. Paige, is it your pick next week? No, it's we're actually doing the leap leap year one oh, that we yes, we, we talked about last time because we are bad at math and we recorded too many things ahead of time yeah. and lost track of how calendars work well because we started black history month technically on our last january episode worth it and then there was also five movies that in february so like well if you'll recall the reason we started black history month early was because we had also incorrectly counted the calendar dates in January. It's just a recurring thing with us. We're adults who can't count calendars. I wouldn't take any of it back. This has been a very fun month of wild movies and I have enjoyed every second of it. Same. But that means next week we are actually doing 
uh, a movie that Tabitha has been asking us to do. We talked about this a little bit last week. Yes. Uh, t- so to celebrate uh, Tabitha and Richard, friends of our podcast hosts, celebrating sort of them and their new edition or soon to be new edition and the band new edition. <laughs> and why not? But also the fact that the next Thursday is Leap Day and Tabitha has been telling us to do the movie Leap Year for I don't know, four years? Whenever we started this podcast. We had to wait for an actual Leap Day so that Leap Day William can come out of the Marianas Trench to give candy to all the children's. Is that a part of that movie? No, that's the 30 Rock Leap Day episode, but you know what? Worth it. So when Tabitha first started saying, you should do Leap Year, I thought she was making a 30 Rock joke. Did not realize Leap Year was an actual movie until about, I don't know, a year after she started asking us to do it. So, Tabitha, we will be doing that movie next week. So your homework is to watch Leap Year. Again, sorry we made you also watch it last week. It's all good. (laughs) But. (laughs) You're welcome for the double dose. Hell yeah. Double tap that Leap Year and then check back for that episode. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So, guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes, On Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok. Except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. And I'm Todd. And Mikey is sick, but you complete us. To completion. Hey, girl. I love you. Guactually. <laughs> Guactually. Guactually. Bye. Colin Firth can make me a burrito any day, nerds.